Hello and welcome to Kiwi Rider Podcast on the Inter-Islander, the Kaitaki, Ray with you and Todd's joining me, g'day mate. Good morning buddy. Trying to do a casual intro because there's a lot of people around here and I don't really want to be that guy from the radio doing a big loud voice, clearly talking into his phone. But you are. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been um, it's been a long time in the uh, in the planning. We were we talking like three weeks that we've been planning, uh, three months that we've been planning this, at least two months. Yes, we were hoping that uh, COVID wouldn't raise its head again down near Wellington or the South Island. Um, unfortunately, there's people up in Auckland are still going through it at the moment, but um, we were lucky enough to scoot through. So we are officially on a boat right now. And uh, we're definitely going to make it to the South Island. And now it's just a question of uh, we get any interruptions before we get back. What a gorgeous day it is, too. The, uh, the Wellington Harbour is absolute glass. And I'm expecting quite a relaxed sailing. Uh, full boat, though. A lot of bikes on the boat. Yeah, what did we see? There was a KTM 390 um, and then... Ducati Triple Nine? Ducati Triple Nine, an old, I think, 2003 model, I think it might have been. One of the old ones with the circle headlights. Beautiful bike. Um, one of your people? One of my people. Saying that as someone who doesn't actually own a Ducati, but uh, who secretly... Not of the Triumph. Oh, sorry, I thought you were talking about the Ducati still. Well, I was going to say because I secretly really want one. But yes, one of my people, there was the Triumph Explorer 1200, the, the big brother to my bike. What else did we see? I don't know. There were a few more. There were a few more bikes, but that was pretty much the the standout ones. Um, Of course, we're off to the South Island to do the Molesworth. We're putting the Suzuki V-Strom 1050 XT up against the Pan America, the the Harley Davidson Pan America. and, and the more I see these two bikes together, the more I think they are a match for each other. They they do things very similarly, but quite often with a different approach, where the Harley-Davidson is all electric and has rider modes and a full-color TFT display. The Suzuki uh, has all the adjustability and, and different map modes and um, ability to change traction control and ABS, but it's not like a PlayStation. No, it's all independent control, so you have to kind of play with the individual settings yourself. I, uh, I had a first shot at the Pan America last night, just playing through the computer. I've, uh, I haven't watched any reviews or anything on the bike, so I thought I'd just take it at face value. And to be honest, I found it very simple to figure out. Like, It took me a few minutes to orient myself around the screen, and I had all the rider mode set up and everything else. So it was intuitive. Like, I'm pretty tech-savvy, but it was pretty intuitive out of the box. I didn't have to learn anything to get it going. Um, we've had the V-Strom for about a week, and we've had the Pan America for a day and a night. Uh, we'll cut now to us setting up the bikes. It's a wet old Sunday in Wallington, and we've uh, well, I've, I've been on a first ride on the on the uh, V-Strom 1050. The mighty Suzuki picked it up the other day, and we are prepping it. Todd's here. We're prepping it for our Molesworth trip. Of course, we're going down Labor Weekend, which is the opening weekend of Labor Weekend of the Molesworth. Sorry, uh, we're taking the mighty Suzuki V-Strom 1050 and the Harley Davidson Pan America. But we're 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 with the Suzuki now. We've done a lot of work on it. Um, and Todd, you you understand the stuff so much more than I do um, that subscription to Dave Moss's online tutorial series really has helped um, what, what, have we, what have we done here today 
Well, welcome to my garage. Um, what have we done today? Well, mostly it was just trying to figure out the factory settings on the bike so we knew where we were at. Um, we did jump on both of us and, and took some sag measurements so we could figure out what we needed to change um, as you and I were uh, changing on the bikes throughout the trip. Uh, and it turns out all we really need to change is the preload at the back. Ten clicks, nice and easy. Um, that's at least where we're starting. But um, yeah. You don't have to tell people it was ten clicks. Come on. <laughs> but sensitive about that. I, I won't tell them how many clicks we had in total. So like, it, it's relative. Maybe there was 100 in the back maybe it was very small um but it's it's okay so like everything's feeling kind of like we've got it set up at least um as good as we can get uh textbook ready garage ready um we're gonna have to get out and ride it little uh little concern with the front fork travel you did a wee little wheelie on the way here and you didn't bottom out the front fork so it looks like we might need to take some preload off at the front it's a cool bike though it's really good to get up close and personal and see what it is i was surprised to see it had a hydraulic clutch and ride by wire throttle so i'm familiar with the ride by wire for the from the Triumph, but not um, the Hydraulic Clutch. Never never used one before, so that would be an interesting experience. Do you know how it's adjustable? Uh, apart from the wee dial on the lever, no idea, but um, I'm sure a, a quick Google will work that out. Um, so the forks and the, and the shock, all adjustable, yeah? The forks are fully adjustable. Uh, we didn't touch compression. We had to back off rebound a bit, um, but the, the shock is only rebound damping adjustable, so we don't mean compression on the shock. Um, but we'll see how much that makes a difference when we're um, on the Molesworth. A couple of cool things about this bike. comes with a centre stand. It's got some factory um, crash bars down there to protect the engine if you do have a spill. Uh, and the auxiliary bar above the dash cluster is, is a, a decent fat one, which uh, I've got my quad lock attached to it so I can put my, bu- my phone up there. And it has two auxiliary power sources, one under the pillion seat, which is your standard cigarette lighter attachment, but the one, uh, the auxiliary power source on the side of the dash cluster is a USB, which is a two amp USB, which I believe is fast charge. USB-A, is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, just like um, all the cables that we have lying around in the box somewhere. So that's going to be handy. It's a great bike. It's really cool. I'm really looking forward to our ride. So I've got uh, now five days of commuting with it. Um, In that time, we're going to pick up the Harley uh, Pan America and... Then what? Saturday we're off. Saturday we're off. I think I think we should we should talk about the uh, the ex- discussion we just had before about the wheel nuts on this. Well, first of all, we're running tubeless tires, which you and I are not so familiar with because we we run tubes on our bikes. Yeah. So. Um We've got this fancy system where the the spokes kind of attach to these these ridges of metal around the rim of the tyre, so the spokes don't go right through into where the tube would be. So we can run tubeless. I'm going to drop that. Um, So tubeless tyres, that means we don't take tubes at all? Or what what do we do? How do we best prepare ourselves in case we get a flat? Well, I'm going to divert to YouTube on this, but I'm guessing the valve stem won't let us push the tube through. Um, and maybe we'd have to just rip it off or maybe we just go with you know the good old bacon strips if we get a puncher. Um, but I'm going to jump on YouTube and try and do some research because uh, I'm, I haven't run uh, tubeless tyres on a bike for many years, so uh, I've got to familiarise myself. I was already with my tyre levers and tubes, but um, they may not be so useful on this trip. It might be a bit of weight saving there then. Um, so your V-Strom that you rode back in Australia, um, that's tubed as well? No, it's not actually. It is tubeless. Yep, that was the last bike I rode tubeless. So when I say it's been a few years, that's been about five years since I rode that every day. Um, never had a puncher, um, which was quite good. And we did some gravel road. So I know these... these um, 
these sort of tubeless setups actually can work reasonably well, but it's a matter of you know, making sure you don't damage your rim and so forth. Um, so hopefully the strength of the rim is, is good um, for the Molesworth, that we're not going to get anything from the sidewall. But uh, I don't know, it's going to be an adventure, and I'm sure we're going to record it regardless. Adventure, that's the name of the game, isn't it? Uh, so we've got Bridgestone Battleaxe tyres. These are the, the uh, original tyres that came on the bike. We're not changing them. Um, do you reckon these uh, these tyres are going to handle what we're going to throw at? I mean, the Molesworth, it's all gravel, but it's not like hard out enduro, is it? No, no, we're going to have to take it easy. Um, so to to be clear, they're the A41s because they, they call everything a battle axe in uh, Bridgestone. Um, so I think they also have some more aggressive battle axe tyres, but these ones are the A41s, which are what I'm going to say, would you call them 9010s or 9055s? I don't know. They're, they're pretty road-oriented. Um, very similar to when I got my Triumph 800, I had uh, Metzler Tourance Next, which are very similar, a tread pattern. And I rode that off-road. Um, I rode that even in mud. Um, so I'm familiar with what that feels like, and it's very sketchy. Um, but it's manageable. You just got to take your time and uh, be prepared to uh, put your foot down if you're going to lose the front end coming into a gravel corner. But uh, that's all right. We'll, we'll take it easy and do our best. So we've got some minor modifications. I mentioned the uh, quad lock on the front. Uh, but on the back, uh, and I don't think you're too enamoured with it at the moment, is um, from our friend, well, my friends at uh, Dold Industries, the Ventura Evo Rack. So this is, uh, and I was, I was in, incredibly surprised at how easy it was to install. So we've got four bolts, four 10mm bolts, holding on the factory ra- uh, luggage rack kind of system and grab bars at the back. And uh, so undo them, take the factory thing off, um, and then pop the Ventura Evo mounting system underneath that bolt it all back together with the factory bolts and then we've got one Evo rack uh, holding on what's going to be a 60 litre pack I I don't know if I want to take a 60 litre pack because it's quite big and a lot of weight on the tail of the bike but um, I'm running the 40 litre pack now I think it's 40 litre maybe it's 20 litre I'll I'll look into that but um, yeah going to run the Ventura system on the back of the Suzuki and you've got some Krieger luggage that we're going to chuck on the Harley I do. I've got the Krieger US, 10, US 20 dry pack. Uh, I've been running that on my Tiger for a while, and I picked up some extra straps so we can put the new straps onto the Pan America, and I can pull down that US 20 pack. I'll probably take my Krieger backpack as well because I don't think I'm going to fit it all in. Um, but, yeah, I think I think that'll be okay for luggage. We, we might be tight, but... We'll, we'll figure it out. I think it's not like we have to take the kitchen sink, is it? No, no. Particularly because like it's a pretty predictable ride. Um, the Molesworth is probably the only thing we have to be a little extra prepared for, just in terms of um, fixing anything that might uh, n- not go right um, in the middle of nowhere. But I'm guessing opening weekend there's going to be quite a few people going up and down. So hopefully we'll have uh, have some support if uh, we find ourselves in a sticky situation. Yeah, so you mentioned being prepared, and you alluded to it before when we started talking about the tyres. The um, the nuts holding the front and rear tyre on, tyres, wheels on, um, we, we actually don't have... That's not in your standard kit. Now, you, to, to clarify, your standard kit's fine for the Triumph. It's fine for, I'm assuming, your DR650. It did my T7 perfectly fine, but we've got some odd-sized nuts on the V-Strom. Odd size nuts. That is correct. It's um, yeah, thirty. <laughs> no innuendo intended. <laughs> thirty uh, thirty mil um, nut on the back, and I think what do we say? Twenty nine. Uh, thirty on the front. Thirty on the front. And a thirty four or thirty six on the back. Hang on, I wrote it down. 
it is 30 on the front and 36 on the rear. You are right. Uh, yeah, which I don't have. Um, we we could take a socket set, but like it's that's going to be a lot, whole lot of weight. So um, the the interesting thing that the sta- I've got three tire levers of varying sizes, and they've worked on many bikes, but uh, they won't work on this. So we're going to have to figure out whether we're going to get the extra spanners just in case. Um, we haven't even checked if we have any under the seat for an emergency. But um, given that they're slightly odd sizes or odd in terms of any other bike I've seen, uh, it might mean that anyone who pulls over to help us may not have it either. So we might just have to be a little careful um, if we have to take those wheels off. Well, there you go. Pre- preparation continues for our trip down to Molesworth, taking the Suzuki V-Strom 1050, the Mighty DL 1050, and the Harley-Davidson Pan America. It's going to be a hoot. So there you go. Uh, quite a bit of setup involved in the two bikes. Not really anything too special, but for both bikes, pretty much stuff you would do for, for any bike, right? Chain, uh, sag, uh, forks, that sort of stuff. Yep, rear brake, foot pegs, handguards, getting stuff set up for us. But we're about the same height, which is kind of helpful. And um, there weren't too many adjustments we had to make between us to make the bikes, you know, perform and feel comfortable over the... How long are we doing? About 1,000 Ks, is it? No, it'd be less than that. How many? Do you know? I think it's about six to 700. Okay. Then if we get lost, it'll be 1,000. Got it. Well, no trip would be complete without a little bit of drama. And I didn't even think about this until last night, but um, there was a big storm back in uh, in the end of July around the top of the South Island, and it locked, knocked out a lot of roads. And I don't know how to tell you this, but we may not be doing the Moldworth today. So the funny part is that this coincided with you, uh, where you were supposed to be going to the South Island, uh, to actually test this Pan America, and that was the storm you're talking about. So I don't know why it, it, it tripped your mind. Yeah, yeah. so the, the Pan America launch got cancelled because of the storm. Um, so the parts of um, Awatiti Valley Road are just gone, or were just gone. Um, but I'm not freaking out too much at the moment because uh, the, there are there are parts of the road. It's very conflicting information. It was three months ago that they said the road was closed and parts of it were gone. There's there's one website saying the road's closed, one website saying the road's open, and one website website saying that it's open for locals only. If it's open for residents, then I reckon we might be able to slip through. We are annual residents of the Molesworth, so uh, we we're here for our annual uh, trip. Um, I'm sure they'll let us through. But if not, oh well, well, it'll be a journey. We'll have to figure out how to get to our accommodation otherwise. Exactly. So that's our drama. Let's get into it. Uh, Let's enjoy this boat ride. Four to five hours on the boat, and then uh, we are in the mainland and off on the bikes. Well, there you have it. We're uh, we're on the South Island. Made it. Feels good to be back on land. It's a quick ferry ride. I've got to say that. Feels fun being on a bike. I did turn my uh, speed light on, and it's telling me to turn around. <laughs> ah, yeah, I probably need to turn mine on too. Well, there's a sign that says Christchurch, so we don't need beelines. It is a big difference once you come to the South Island. You know, like, oh, all the hills are a bit bigger here. Like, Wellington's kind of a pretty hilly place, but you don't really... Uh... There's a lot of space between the hills in Wellington, right? At this point, I think it's a good time to point out that this trip couldn't happen without some, um, some major players in the motorcycle industry here in New Zealand. Thank you very much to Suzuki. And, of course, Harley-Davidson for giving us the motorcycles. Uh, Very handy of them. Krieger Agents in New Zealand, Darby's, also known as Motogear, motogear.co.nz. They're going to us a couple of puncture repair kits and 
a Krieger US20, which we're testing out for the trip. Motogear are also the agents for Cardo. We're running Cardo communicators on this trip. Lights Power Sports, I've got the, US, the uh, LS2 Pioneer Evo helmet on right now with tinted visor, I might add. Eurobike Wholesale, they're um, GV, uh, Dragonstone, uh, Merlin, Dill Martin. Uh, they've given us a puncture repair kit for this trip as well, so we're we're well stocked as far as ear and uh, bacon strips to fix our tyres. I've got to say personally a massive thank you to One Ton for the Apex riding suit. And we're on to our first 100k stretch of the South Island. Don't you hate it when you get into like a, a flow of traffic and you just get stuck behind like a land yacht, also known as a Harley Davidson? <laughs> it's a good, um, good, actually good time to point out too, you've, you've done what, 50 kilometres on that bike if that? 20? Yeah. 20, yeah. Oh, I'm using mine already. <laughs> Look, Mum, no hands. I can move this screen while I'm riding, can't I? Uh, I believe so, yeah. If you're that, uh, if you're coordinated enough. Well, I'm drinking for longer. Okay, I lifted it up and it did nothing. <laughs> so I just, I lifted it up by pushing the leaf down, but the angle doesn't quite cover my peak, so my head just pops around more. Yeah, it's actually better in the lower position. It actually pushes the air above my peak. Ah. Alright, so I am in rider or SDMS mode A on the mighty V-Strom 1050. Rider mode A, traction control currently off, and ABS one, which I believe is ABS, ABS's lowest setting. So no traction control and low ABS. Alright, on the, on the Pan America I'm in road mode, which I can tell you the suspension is really soft. Like it's quite nice on this road, it's kind of like bouncing around, but I don't feel like I can ride very aggressively on corners. It feels a little bit floaty, but otherwise it feels okay. I think that is the idea behind road mode, is it's supposed to be a comfortable ride on the road. So yeah, it ta takes a bit of the snappiness out of the throttle too. There's not quite that much snatchiness. Yep. So I've already, I didn't tell you this, so I've already set up um, off-road custom to be the exact same as, so everything is uh, off-road, but I had increased the engine braking and I changed the suspension to off-road hard instead of off-road soft, which is the default for the off-road mode, if that makes sense. I tell you what, this bike is easy to easily speed on. Easy. I was just uh, easy to speed on. Yeah. I was just in fifth gear and I just looked down and I was like, oh, I'm doing 130? Wow. Like, you don't even feel it. It's, wow. Yeah, it just goes, eh? It, it carries that speed so well. Um, yeah. Like, I feel when I'm doing the speed on my Tiger. Maybe because it's, like, revving much higher. But, um, yeah. It's just funny because a Tiger feels like a sportier bike. This just feels like a lazy bike that goes really fast. <laughs> it's got massive legs on it, eh? You just, you just wind it and it, it takes yeah. it off like a, like a jet plane almost. Yeah. I suppose that's what happens when you got well, 1,250 uh, CCs, right? Ah, there's the first flex of the trip, ladies and gentlemen. I'm currently in road mode. I'm going to change it to sport at some point. I'll ride this for a while and just kind of see if I can get, note the difference. But what I've done is I've set up um, uh, rider mode A, which is going to be my mode, and rider mode B can be yours. 
Okay. Uh, and in A so far, I've set it on sport mode. So I've taken the mapping and everything from sport. And what did I change? I think I increased the throttle mapping, uh, like made it more aggressive. And I did one other thing. So I thought just, I'd just take sport mode and make it a little more sporty as a starting point. Um, but I think I'll get to, get to that one tomorrow. It won't be a thing for today. Yeah, so you've got the ability right on that bike. You've got sport, right, uh, sport road, rain, and off-road. Yep. And then you've got two customizable modes. So you can copy the settings from any of those into one of the custom A or custom B, and then you can customize it yourself. So if you want sport mode with a little more engine braking, or off-road with a bit more ABS, that's all um, something you can do and save those settings. So uh, you are spot on with the exception that you actually have three custom modes because you have off-road custom as well. Ah, you're right, yes. Which is kind of cool because you can take off-road mode, customize that, then you still have two versions for the road. Um, I turned off rain mode, you know, in terms of the toggles. Um, I've turned it off because, well, we weren't expecting rain and we can always turn it on if we need it. Um, and that's one less thing to cycle through. Yeah, so when you say you turned it off, in the settings you've got access to all those modes, but with your quick mode select button, you just scroll through the ones you've got turned on, right? Yeah, spot on. Which, which is kind of cool, because like, if you're only really needing to switch between two modes, let's say that you have a custom off-road mode and custom on-road mode, then you just only have one button to switch between them. Um, that's kind of cool. Having, having like six different modes is a little bit overwhelming when you really, you're trying to concentrate on the road, and you just want to quickly go from one to another. Um, I mean, that being said, it, you can just pull over. You probably shouldn't be doing this stuff when you're riding if you really need to be concentrating. But, uh, yeah, it's nice to be able to take away the options that you don't need. Oh, my God. I, okay, so your indicator, you are spot on with this indicator being weird as shit. <laughs> See, it, it does actually push in the middle, but this is what happens. You, you pull, like, you turn in one direction, and to cancel it, you push in the middle, but instead of going to the middle, it points the opposite direction. Yeah, I've noticed this ever since I picked it up. So I, I can turn left or right, but once I press the middle cancel button, it turns me, it gives me the opposite indicator. It's so weird, eh? Yeah, it's definitely not right. It's not precise. It's bad. <laughs> Just bad. <laughs> you can't be indicating the wrong way. That's only going to get you, you know, cleaned up. So we're navigating today via Beeline. Now this is not a paid endorsement. This is, man, actually, they, they haven't even given us the Beelines. These are yours, Todd. You bought they, these devices. I did, um, but let, let me say, full disclosure, I bought one and uh, just before Christmas, expecting to have it for a Christmas ride, and it didn't come in time, and the guy sent me another one as well. So you're, you've got the second one, and my first one actually arrived two days after their second one arrived. So we have two for the price of one, but I tell you what, I love it. It's, it's fantastic. Now, if you haven't worked out what this device is, a Beeline, it's, it's a mini hockey puck about the size of a round watch. Maybe a Garmin smartwatch type thing. Think something like that. You put it on your accessory bar or your handlebars. I've got mine on the left-hand handlebar beside the clutch reservoir. Connect it to your phone and using the Beeline app, you can plan a ride or you can upload a GPX file and it gives you turn-by-turn -turn navigation without necessarily having your phone on your bars, right? You got it. Hey, I, I really like the feature where it tells you kind of the general direction you should be heading and then it tells you where your next turn will be. 
Like, it is a very simple interface, but it's, it's like all you need. You don't need anything else. It takes like minimal effort to glance at it and go, oh yeah, I know what to do next. What a gorgeous day here in the South Island. We're just coming into Blenheim now. It's mostly blue with some wispy white cloud. I'm going to say it's what well, my bike's telling me, actually. The mighty V-Strom is saying air temperature is 17 degrees. Definitely the kind of day that you would want a tinted visor. Do you bring another visor, or are you uh, baking on tinted the whole time? I'm just rolling tinted the whole time. Yeah, same here. Which I think should be fine. Uh, do, you, do you have a pin lock on that one? Uh, no, what I've actually got is the white UGAM adhesive anti-fog. Uh, it's like a, a sheet of plastic with, or, or per perspex, with a bead of uh, silica around the outside and it sticks to the inside of your visor. So if you don't have pin lock, you can still use it. Gotta get me some dirty bird, dirty bird, d d d dirty bird. Hey, this is a new um, Will I Am track. Will I Am. Will I Am. You are now, now rocking with Will I Am and Britney, bitch. Dong, 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 dong. This is an awesome roundabout. Okay, so we're in Blenheim. This yeah. roundabout has train tracks going through the middle of it. <laughs> you get halfway through the roundabout and a train comes. How wicked is that? And it's raining. Well, it's not raining now, but if it was raining, can you imagine going over those train tracks on a motorbike? Flip three. <sighs> yeah. If you look to your right, that Domino's and NZHL is an old pizza hut. Right, yes. My God. We are in small town New Zealand, aren't we? <laughs> it's a lot happening and no lot happening all at once. <laughs> <laughs> so how are you finding ventilation on the uh, on the Pan America? I know that those exhausts can pump out a lot of heat, and that's kind of right in front of your right knee. So it was um, a lot when we were lining up for the ferry. Uh, not so much now. Now it's fine. I I don't even feel warm. Yeah, I'm very comfortable, like temperature wise. And also comfortable on the bike. I've taken the uh, thermal layer out of the one-ton gear that I'm wearing, one-ton Apex Adventure suit. Um, so I'm just running waterproof and out of shell. Uh, I've got all the front-facing vents open. Interesting thing about the suit is every time I hang it up on the on the hook behind the door in my studio at work, I look back at it, and every single time it seems that I find a new zip or a new vent or a new pocket. That's kind of funny. Um because my Remick gear, I am in the same situation as you, where I, I've taken out the heat lining, and I've just got the rain and the outer shell. But I discovered this winter, much to my delight, that I've got pockets to keep my hands warm. There's like this tiny slit. Well, it's not really tiny, it's just very um, hidden in the side of the jacket. And when you put your hands in it, it's all like lined with fur and stuff, or maybe faux fur, but... It's uh, it's beautiful in the hands. So you know, when you're standing around on a winter's day, put your hands in your pockets, and it's lovely. I gotta say thank you to um, Forbes and Davies. Now they're the New Zealand Magna um, agent, and I'm running a pair of Magna Exiles gloves right now. Which, if you go to MojoNZ.com, you'll see my full review on it. I didn't think I'd be able to run these in summer, but um, they're quite a versatile glove. I wouldn't want to run them in like 25, 30 degrees, but right now, my my hands are. We are almost out the back of uh, Blenheim now, and we're heading towards Taylor Pass. This is our first taste of not State Highway, which is it's going to be great. Uh, Taylor Pass goes from the southern side of Blenheim over the hill to Awatini Valley Road. Uh, and as I said earlier in the podcast, this, this, that is where... The first bit of drama. Now, no story is complete without Noble a bit of drama. One. And we don't know if we can get through our Chitty Vista Road. Noble Road. One. Two. Connected. 
the Molesworth. But we're going to try. And our first taste is uh, going to be in about 10 minutes up the road here at Taylor Pass. Tell you what, that we're going through what seems to be a, a new subdivision. And um, I love the cruise control on this bike, but it's kind of annoying because the way the bike's geared, we're doing 60 and it's only just allowed me to get into third gear. I can't use cruise control until I get into fourth. I got the fourth gear. You should be alright to use cruise control anything above 40 k's an hour in pretty much any gear. Uh, let me try that. Oh, hang on, I know why I wasn't doing it. It's because I turned the bike off. Let me, let me turn cruise control back on. That's interesting, you got to turn it on each time. Crew route not suitable for long vehicles. Oh, you're going to have to leave the Pan America behind. <laughs> yeah, you've got a long vehicle. Standing up on the peak on the V-Strom 1050. What a, what a lovely valley, beautiful. What a gorgeous feeling this is too, by the way. Vents are open, got a bit of airflow going on. If you don't ride a motorbike, you are missing out on life, man. Yeah, this is beautiful, isn't it? After a stunning ride through Taylor Pass, we hooked a right out onto Awatiri Valley Road and made our way out towards the Molesworth. And we were getting excited. There were patches of gravel. We were getting into the flow. And then all of a sudden, about 30 k's north of the gate to the Molesworth, we get flagged down by one rider on a DR650 and his mate on a Tenere 700. So uh, what's your name, sir? Murray Thorne. Murray. G'day, Murray. Uh, what are you riding? Uh, DR650 Suzuki. Beautiful. And your your riding buddy over here. What's your name? Kieran Soper. G'day, Kieran. And you've got a you got a you got a nice looking bike. <laughs> Dirty old Tenere. Tenere 700. And apparently they go faster in black too. I got the competition white one. Oh, yeah, it's probably faster in black. Hey, um, if you flagged us down, you said, "Oi, you bastard, stop!" <laughs> what's what's going on? Yeah, the gate's locked. It was supposed to open today at seven o'clock this morning, but we got there and it was locked, and there was no way through it. So we're turning around, heading back <laughs> out. Yeah. It's locked. Um, well, that puts a bloody spanner in the works, works there, doesn't it, Todd? That's um, that's not ideal. No, not our plan A, was it? Um, we're going to have to find out another way to get back down to Hamilton, tonight, aren't we? Yeah, so we've got two options, as I see it. And, Carry on. And what's that? The, the, probably the easiest way is to go back out to the main road and turn to Seddon and then carry on down just past Kaikoura and then you turn right in and go over the hill and you come out at Wyal and then back up to Hamner, you know, and so it's a beautiful Tarsil road through there, it'd be awesome on those things, yeah, really twisty, you know, and, and good, and that's, I, I'm not sure of the exact distance, I did it a while ago, it's probably, it's probably a couple of hundred k from the intersection to go down and round to Hamner, something like that, but it's a really good ride, yeah. So I reckon from where we stopped, it's about half an hour since we stopped and had a yonder old mate? Yeah, maybe about 20 minutes, 20, 25, yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe 40 minutes back to State Highway 1, and then down through Kaikoura, yep. over the Hundalees? No, no, go through Kaikoura, and as you go out, there's a road on your right that takes you through the YL and over Mount Lyford, Mount Lyford, over there, and then it drops down, and it, Mount Lyford, and then it comes out in, uh, just above Colverton or whatever the last... Mouse Point, comes out at Mouse Point, and then you turn right from Mouse Point, and then just head up to Hamner, and it's probably only, oh, I'd say... 20 or 30 minutes from Mouse Point to Hamner. What sort of terrain is that hill you were talking about? It's um, it, it's a it's a really good tar seal hill, and it, and it, and there's good open straights there, and it's really twisty and tight and really open. It's got a bit of everything in it, you know. It's just the perfect ride for those two bikes. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, thanks for your local information, and thanks for flagging us down. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I kind of I kind of because we've come so far. And how far is it to the gate? About. 55k from here to the gate and you've got another another 10k or whatever and then it's all gravel into the gate and then you've got to turn around and come back yeah 
We're going to flag down these guys here. This is our mate on the... Um, well, we don't... It's not our mate. It's We passed them on a Transalp and a Africa to win. And so, well, head in the hands, we had a decision to make. What do we do? How do we go? Do we go around and down State Highway 1 and over to Mount Lyford? Do we go down to the gate and try and get through? Long story short, because we were a bit grumpy about it, we put on a smile, but we weren't overly stoked about that. Uh, we turned the recorders off and we just put the hammer down and went for broke. Backtracked up our Teddy Valley Road to Seddon, hooked a right, down State Highway 1, set the cruise control and just up the miles. We pick up the story once again just north of Kaikoura. Okay, and now we are basically where the uh, the massive earth movement and drama happened in the Seddon Quake, the Kaikoura Quake. We've got some brilliant twisties. This is all new road coming up. It's all nice and wide and new and up to spec. We look over to our left, right on the Pacific Ocean, and you can see where all the uh, the rocks, the seabed was shunted up. I think there was like a meter or two of vertical movement, and so there's more shore than there used to be. And all those white rocks out there are the ones that used to be wet and tidal. Actually, not long after the quake, there was a massive push to get a whole bunch of people down here to save uh, all the sea uh, sea animals, like the power and things like that, move them into the sea because they would have just, they got, they were above the high tide line. Is it? But it said it was the sea, but sure. Man, look at these massive nets to catch rocks. They've really done a lot of work here to future-proof the road and make sure that if anything else happens, it stays stable and there, I guess. What's really cool, just as you were talking there, I just flicked it from road mode to sport mode, and it's so noticeable how, like, the bike just stiffens up and um, you feel a lot more, like you feel all the little grooves in the road and you just, everything feels a bit more precise and racy. It's cool. It's, I, it's, I, did, I thought the one, the one button tap would be a bit of a gimmick, but I kind of like it. You're a bit of a convert to the old Pan America, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely am enjoying it more than I expected I would. If you were to not buy a Harley Davidson, but you had, let's say you had 40 grand to spend on a bike, one bike, and it wasn't going to be a Harley, what others would you say are in the same price bracket that you would consider? Not what am I, what am I doing with the bike? Do I have the, do I still have the C7? Uh, no, you see, just one bike, you can't have two. So, T7's gone, and you've got 40 grand to spend. That's a tough one, because... If I kept the T7, then I'd be looking at something touring or sport-based. Yeah. But if I didn't have the T7, then probably like Tiger 800, maybe, or 900, maybe uh, Tracer 900. I don't know, I kind of still want to do the um, Compass as well. I kind of still want to do the um, adventure side of things. What, what do you mean the adventure side of things? Like, like that would stop you from getting a more road or like a tracer or something? Yeah. I'm surprised Yamaha haven't done a, a T900, Tenere 900, Super Tenere with the, with the MT09 engine maybe. I mean, I think I would get the Multistrada V4S over there. I would have to, okay, to be fair, I would have to ride it first. <laughs> but, um, I've ridden the old Multistrada. If we're purely talking adventure bikes... I don't know, it's a tough question, Matt, actually. 
Um, it does depend on your, like, what it, like, more so than what you want to do with it, if you're in the adventure bike category, it's what are you willing to trade off? Yeah, it really it's is. More, because if you're not willing to trade off the off-road component, you really just have to go for a KTM. If so I went, you, well, no, I couldn't go to KTM because I know what their track record is with their electronics. Yeah. Um, but if I was going anything, it would be like, uh... My trade-off is I still commute. If yep. I didn't commute, I'd get a bigger engine bike. But I'd struggle to get a Tiger 900 knowing that it would just use more gas. If I was to get another bike for commuting, I'd look at maybe a high-output MT-07. The conversation continued all the way down the Kaikoura coast, and we pulled into Kaikoura for a splash of gas and checked our phones to see that we had messages from friends and family members who knew that we were on this road trip and near Blenheim or had gone through Blenheim mentioning there was a new community transmission COVID case in Blenheim. So we didn't even stop in Blenheim, did we? No. You uh, checked in. I didn't, but you, I, I saw you scared. I kept my helmet on the whole time. So did you. All right, well, let's get over to the um, pub or whatever it is. Um, we'll keep an eye on as things progress. Not like we can do anything about it. No, the only thing we can do is if they um, say anyone who wants to get back has to come back in 24 hours, then it would be changing, like trying to get on an earlier boat. I don't think they'll do that. They did do that for Auckland. You, um, when, when it was in Auckland, they said, no, it was 72 hours. You could yeah, go but that home. was 10 weeks ago, right? Yes. And they've said that they're not going, they've, so they've changed from a four-level alert system to a traffic light system. Mm. And they have said that they won't go back into a level four situation. Okay, yeah. So could they? You're going on the other bike. Oh. <laughs> do you, you want to? Do you want to ride? That would be easier. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> I'm gonna keep waiting for you. Fueled up, legs stretched, bit of fluid taken on board, and we were back on the road out the southern end of Kaikoura and hooking a ride over towards Mount Lyford. We'd also swapped bikes, so up till this point, I'd done most of the riding on the V-Strom, and Todd had spent most of the time on the Harley-Davidson. We swapped, I was on the Harley-Davidson enjoying that beautiful comfy seat, and Todd started talking me through what he'd found with the Harley-Davidson's different ride modes. So I'm in, I'm in uh, throttle mapping A, which is the most aggressive, and I've turned traction control up. And I just left ABS what it was. That sounds like a risky for disaster. Yeah. Woo. Okay, back to navigation, two kilometers. So um, what I want you to try is, uh, you're just in road mode, right? The one that looks like McDonald's. Yep, uh, try between there and S. So just kind of ride like that around the twisties when we get up here. And then at some point, just change it to S and feel how different it is. Oh, I know. I'm in S now, I love it. <laughs> I can I can see I can I definitely feel the difference in right modes on this. Yeah. They're a lot more subtle on that. Yeah. Mount Lyford. So I've got 175k to empty and YR78. So I think we're I'll have 100 left ish. 100 what left? Uh, I will have 100 left when we arrive. You're right. This engine does have a bit of a uh, a whine to it, like the Tiger, doesn't it? Oh yeah. That um street mode to sport mode is so much. It changes the characteristics of the bum at all altogether, doesn't it? Yep. It's so much softer. So much more abrupt on the little undulations when you're in sport mode. Yeah, huge. Okay, so, Harley-Davidson Pan America. It excels at this, but on the dirt, what is the better bike? Gerard I ride. I, I think the V-Strom could be set up as a better bike. I think, you you know, with the slightly more gravel-oriented tyres, at least, maybe a little more, maybe a bit of a change in the suspension to be a bit more compliant on the dirt. I reckon you could get this to be feeling better than the Pan America, but you got to do work where that one just comes out of the box feeling better. 
although the V-Strom is living up to its adventure on a budget title, this thing has all the electronics. I think the Harley works for the person who wants to like crack open the crate, ride it away, and do all their adventure stuff without having to really, I don't know, like think too much. They don't want to have to make a bunch of decisions, right? They make one decision, I buy the Pan America, and it comes the way it comes, and it'll let you do pretty much most things that people want to do that isn't hardcore off-road. Pan America has a much more comfortable seat. <laughs> I knew that at some point you would get on that and realize what you've been missing out on. Oh, I got bloody heated grips! Hey! I, I got don't a know. reason. I got a reason to hang on to the handlebars now. <laughs> I'm not sure why I gave you that bike at the point when we're going up a mountain, but anyway, in the afternoon, and the temperature's 13 degrees. Yeah, so there's a bike that tells you the temperature is also the bike that doesn't warm you up. It was quite annoying. <laughs> my phone keeps connecting and disconnecting to my car though, but it's on your bike. Oh, okay. It's not the... It's back. It's connected again. Yay! Oh yeah, I'm right on your tail. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you what, even if the Molesworth is shut, this is a good ride. It's bloody good to get out of town on a bike, it doesn't even matter what bike it is, it could be the V-Strum, could be the Pan America, it could be a bloody GN125 for all I care. Yeah, the South Island really is good for just get, getting on the, like getting off the ferry and riding somewhere. Like, doesn't matter which direction you go, it's, it's just good. It's not quite the same in Wellington, because like, you get off the ferry, you pick any direction and you still got a lot of nothing before you get anything interesting. Huh, that's interesting, I just noticed something. Going into that corner, I threw it in kind of aggressively, more aggressively than normal, and I felt the cruise control back off and then accelerate when I stood it back up. Ah, I never tried that. Yep, back off and accelerate. So it could kind of tell that you needed to wipe some speed off in that corner. That would make sense because the more that you lean in, like lean the bike in, the more it's likely that you're too hot into the corner. By this time of the day, it was getting late, time was cracking on. And we weren't too far out of YR. We probably had about 80 k's to go. It was getting on towards 7 p.m. and we just kind of were getting over it. We'd done our day's activity and we were looking forward to cracking a beer, putting the feet up and chilling. However, Mount Life had had a little more drama in store for us before we could relax. Oh, what the f*** was that? Oh, sh what? I think that was a lot of paint. It was, yeah. I'm gonna, have to, I'm gonna have to get that off the bike. You just ran over a lot of paint. Okay, so that's why. It's on the tires. I don't see it anywhere else. I've got it on me. Did you hit it or did it come up on me? Nah, it flicked off, flicked off your rear wheel. Yeah, you can but see it here. I'm gonna have to clean that off before it dries. Do you have anything to clean it off? Oh, well, there's water, I guess. I'll just use my, my rag. Okay, yeah, yeah, good idea. It looks like it's only on my tires. I can't actually see it. Oh, there's a bit underneath. On the under I don't, yeah, I don't, I, I don't think it. Well, it comes off pretty clean, so it's alright. Just try to catch any bits that look like they're um, bit off sticks. Anything on the paint? Can you see anything? On the paint? It's hard because it's so dirty, right? Um, it's it's very distinctively white, though, isn't it? That paint. Yeah, yeah. I think I think oh, we might have. Some down here. I think we might have got away with it. Good sporting. I didn't even notice running over it. I think I only saw it because I was behind you and I saw it spit up. If I didn't see it spit up, I probably wouldn't have noticed. Oh shit, there's actually quite a bit there. An awkward place. I can smell it though. It smells like paint. Yeah, it might have hit the engine. 
Oh, it doesn't smell like it doesn't smell like burning. It smells it, like uh, bit up under here. And here it is here too. On the fork. Look how dirty the whole bike is. <laughs> yeah, it got a real grubber, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like a car coming. Yeah. Yeah, see it's all over the tire. Look at that. Yeah, I'll, I'll get that off the tires just from riding. I think there's a bit under here. I can see that going around, but it'll be right. It's a decent coating of dirt there, it will probably just hose off. Yep. Most of the paint removed, crisis averted, and we were back on the road and heading for Wyow. I do feel like this bike is a little more nimble than the uh, Pan America. Like, doing this, yeah. like this, this is like, it, it feels a bit lighter. It probably is. Actually, I don't know what the weight difference would be. Um, so, if we don't stop, it says we'll get there at 7. So, if we do, then we'll be, I don't know, a bit after that. How many k's is it to Wyow? 56. Quite lucky we didn't actually go all the way into uh, Molesworth and back. We would have yeah, been back quite late. Probably a better decision not to. But I also do worry that as we're coming into Wyow, we're going to have... Uh, it's going to be quite... Oh, getting on dark, and we both have tinted visors on, and it's going to be cold. So lifting up the visor is going to be freezing. It's all part of adventure riding. It does take a while for these heated grips to warm up. It does, and they're not that hot, I found. Like, normally I can get my hands to the point that I can't really touch the grips anymore on the Tiger, which is the yep. Oxford grips. We have to put um, grips on your bike for next winter. The content? Well, if, if you're commuting, it kind of makes sense to keep your hands warm. I got gloves. Before that, I just used motocross gloves, and my hands have been warm all winter. I, I actually did toss up between these gloves or getting heated grips. And when I got these gloves, I found I didn't need the heated grips. But, heated grips would be nice. Yeah, I, I do agree. I do like how you set up your levers. On mine? On my Tiger? On all your bikes. Oh, Everything yeah. I've ridden of yours, even this, levers are right there. I'm a lever setter opera. Yeah, you're really good at that. Like, I'm feeling the brake lever now and I'm just like... Yeah, yeah nice road. Yeah, it's a comfort. It's been good enough. It's kind of funny. I come into the corner. It's like I feel like I'm coming in too hot, but then it just pulls up so quickly. It's really nice. I don't feel as comfortable on this bike as I expected I would. You don't but feel I'm... as comfortable as you expected you would. Yep, that's what I said. Yep. I just can't spot why, though. I don't really know exactly what it is. Maybe it is a seat height. This road is actually, like, it's a nice road, but the quality is pretty bad. It's really bumpy and it's just gravel. And that's, um, that's a little frustrating because, like, it has all the potentials of, like, a, you know that road that we rode, um, on the Tiger run? Yeah. The Tiger rally. Like, that, that road was just beautiful because it was really well maintained as well. It had, it had elements like this, but it just wasn't as bumpy. Pop it back into road mode? That's probably a good idea. Yeah, it'll just make it much more comfortable on you. Yeah, you get less tired. Oh, it's instant. So high. As soon as yeah. it in, it's just like, ooh. Uh, sheep on the left. Things have to shape. It's like, I know I shouldn't be here. I just don't know how to go home. I reckon I want to make some changes on this bike before tomorrow. Before we ride tomorrow. Okay. I'm feeling the handlebars are too... Up. Like, my, my wrist is really sore from being really kinked on the right. Which I know we did specifically for the gravel. But I think we can roll them back a bit. Well, we're not doing any more gravel unless we do the Molesworth tomorrow. It's only 80 k's and we could do it from Henmer. Go up, go back, and then go to Nelson. Well, let's have a look if there's any other roads on the way to Nelson or around Nelson that we could... The uh, rear brake on this feels really good. Yeah, well, at least you can use it now. <laughs> it was so low before, it was impossible to use. Do, actually, do you know what is... Do you know what's throwing me off on this bike? Engine braking. Frozen tinny? The, the engine braking, you come into a corner, and it's really aggressive on the engine braking. So just really kind of... You're sitting on the engine. This car. Um... 
But then, if you go into a higher, if you come in at a higher gear, um, you don't have enough power to get out the other end, or uh, you can't be as aggressive coming out the other end. It's like this mismatch. I just can't figure it out. Uh, I wonder if it's just aggressive engine braking because it hasn't even had, you know, it hasn't even had its first service. Could be. Engine's just still tight. Yeah, Tell you what, it was really, really noticeable between my first and second rides when it was brand spanking new and had about 100 k's on it. Okay. It's just noticeable the difference. It really loosened up. Yep. I don't know if we're going to find a mountain with a pub, eh? It's 20, it's 30 k's. So the good, the good news is the closer we get, the shorter ride is going to be home after the pub. Uneven surface. Well, it's been uneven surface the whole time, so. Thank yeah. You. You're not telling us anything we don't already know. That's a bit pretty. Is a mountain for you? We must be getting pretty close to the Molesworth. Like, I'm sure we're on the wrong side of the mountains, but we must <laughs> yeah. be getting close. Oh man, this gravel in the middle of the road is tricky. And for about the last 30 kilometres of our ride, we swapped back. So I jumped back on the Suzuki V-Strom 1050, and Todd took his place back on what almost could have been his favourite bike, the Harley-Davidson Pan America. Yeah, this bike's much more Tenere 700. I think that's why I like it. I'm sitting on top of it. I, yeah, I love that bike, but this bike feels like home. Yeah, that's interesting. I find, um, this one does, this one feels a lot more like my Tiger for sure. Oh, check this corner out. Oh, this is almost... If I could be bothered, I would stand there and film you going around here. Oh, oh it goes down! We have to do this. <laughs> We're going to have to. Let's come and do it tomorrow morning. Okay. Look at it. I'm pretty sure this is why he got the idea for the racetrack. He's like, hang on a sec. I want to put a racetrack at the top of this. That is the best corner in New Zealand. <laughs> I mean, it was a bit bumpy, but we can make that work. So one of the things I like about the Pan America compared to that is, do you, do you realize how, like, stabby the brakes are on that? It's no. like immediate, the front brake immediately you get um, the pressure. With this, you kind of can bring it on slowly. Have you? Can you tell the difference? Like the moment you hit the brakes, you just it just kind of grabs straight away. It just grabs. But this, one, that, can... this dives under brakes. As soon as you start to brake, it dives. Is that part of the sensation? Like, does it seem like it's got grabby brakes? Because if I do that, it tucks the nose. Uh, there's definitely a lot more play in the Pan America. Like, as you slowly bring it on, like I can bring it on for about maybe one centimeter before it even starts to really grab. It's a weird sensation. I was really trying to just like feather the brakes on that one coming in. It was just really hard to get that pressure right. It's very sensitive. But I think it might be adjustable as well, so. How many days? How many? Oh wait, I've got it. Uh, <laughs> 8.4. <laughs> it's funny because when you said that, I looked down and then I was like, well, I don't have it, so clearly you're not asking me. <laughs> they're, they're really good brakes though, aren't they? Yeah. Okay, boy. And the um, Tokido one, the Japanese one, they're really good. I know so Brembo, the Brembo has a... Yep. Yeah, go, go, go. I know Brembo has a name for themselves, but you know, there's some of the OEM Japanese ones are really good too. There's some brilliant corners on this road. Yeah. Um, the T7 brakes are garbage. Like it's got it's got traction control. Uh, it's got ABS, right? You don't fucking need it. The brakes don't bite hard enough to have to, to need it. Yeah. They really yeah. The brakes are like you really just gonna like grab them and wait. <laughs> I'm gonna get some new pads. I'm gonna call Rodney and see what he recommends because he's the Brembo distributor. And from here we rolled into our accommodation in Wyoming, kicked our boots off, put our feet up, had a beer and just chilled. 
And that is where we're going to leave the story for this week. It was going to be one episode where we took you through all three days of the road trip, but there's just so much content. So tune in next week for instalment two of the Labor Weekend Ride. This is Kiwi Rider Podcast. My name's Ray here, and thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for uh, taking part in this story. Thank you to Suzuki for the mighty V-Strom 1050XT, and thank you very much to Harley Davidson for the lend of the stunning Pan America. If you want to get hold of us, I'd love to hear from you. Podcast at kiwirider.co.nz is the email address. Or you can get hold of us uh, through social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and uh, TikTok as well. Just search at Kiwi Rider Podcast. Till next time, keep the rubber side down, throttle on, and we'll catch you in seven days' time. <laughs>